Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to The Everything is Black and White, a Newcastle United podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live. We are the only place you need to come for all the up-to-date news about your club. We have a panel of expert writers who have covered the club for many, many years. We have legends of the game who also join us as special guests as well as writers from further afield. Hit that subscribe button and get your weekly update of Newcastle United. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove. Joined by football headset Mark Douglas on a lovely sunny day, VE day. Lots to celebrate. Lots of people still having their street parties, even at a social distance. And anything planned for the rest of the day, Mark? Not much, no. Um, when you've got a two-year-old, it tends to be around bath times and meal times and trying to get them to sleep. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a nice day. Just a shame we can't all uh, celebrate together, isn't it? Well, we're here to talk about the football Takeover obviously is the main subject everyone wants to know. It's going to be quiet over the last few days. In your opinion, given uh, you know the claims from various media outlets, is it going? Is it progressing as, as well as everyone hopes it is? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's there's a necessary kind of period of silence at the moment while the Premier League do do their checks. I mean, there's there's obviously value in reporting what what one side or the other side is saying because. You know that reflects their their views, but obviously the main thing at the moment is is the Premier League, what the lawyers and and the the people in charge of the, the Premier League panel, um, what their opinion is, and and you know nobody at this stage knows exactly what what they're what they're thinking. I mean, I think I can make a pretty safe, educated guess that I don't think anything um, that is currently being looked at will necessarily fail the test. Um, but I think the, it's very clear that the fact that this has taken so long as, as it has done at the moment, these are complex, uh, very complex legal cases and, and arguments that are being looked at at the moment. And and I think that what the Premier League are trying to do is make sure that whatever it is that um, they make a decision on is is effectively by the end totally legally safe. You know, it can't be challenged by either side. So I think that's, that's where we are at the moment. I, I, I mean, one thing you've got to remember for all the different interventions from 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 different people, the decision is made around a, a very strict legal framework. It, it's not going to be affected by, say, Javier Tebas yesterday saying we don't want the we don't want La Liga to uh, we, you know the Premier League should look at um, the the piracy um, issue, and uh, it won't be affected necessarily by those kind of things. It will be affected by. Um, do, does it under their legal framework um, tick the boxes that, that are required for it to tick the boxes? Now, my understanding has always been that you know it, it probably will at the end of it. I think that you know the, the, the very uh, likely the very likely situation is that it will it will end up passing. But 
you know, we, nobody knows at this stage, not even the people involved in the buyout, you know, who obviously the ones that we're, we're kind of hearing are very confident about it. They don't know at this stage whether it's going to have an impact. You know, obviously, I think we were told about two, three weeks ago that their, their opinion was that it, it wouldn't, you know, the piracy thing wouldn't necessarily have a big bearing on it. But obviously, we're three weeks down the line um, and, um, you know, those decisions are still being made. So we just have to wait and see. Um, as I said, I still feel that it will, um, you know, it, it will pass those tests and then we move on to the next stage. Um, but at the stage, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I had any insight into a very small number of people who will be making that, that decision. But as I said, I, I think at the moment um, it is quiet, but uh, that doesn't mean it's dead or that, or that things aren't happening. I mean, there's nobody at any stage has said um, that they don't, they won't think it's going to happen. So I'm basing it on that. You were part of the, the digital town hall meeting of Newcastle United fans earlier in the week. What was the mood like within that? It seemed to go down quite well. There was a bit of discussion um, kind of talking about both sides of the argument, but a worthwhile thing to do? Yeah, I mean, obviously it would have been nicer to, to have been able to do it in person with with all the people there, but um, I thought it was worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a few people complaining about, you know, it was dominated by a few people from the, from the trust and all these things, but it was open to everybody. Um, the only thing I didn't like was the uh, feed on YouTube, which was cruel and, and mean spirited a lot of you know a lot of people just want to shout down anybody who opposes the deal and and you know they're doing it and i don't think in a very very good way they're doing it in a lot of you know a lot of the 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 sort of way that the club um has been talked about by supporters has been you know the, the debate and the way that the club has has been has been coarsened in the last few years i think um you know it's 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 almost become a badge of honour to, to sort of hate the club as much as you can. And now it feels like versed onto anybody who's voicing their opinion in a negative manager on that Monday in the YouTube feed in particular was getting, you know, was getting all oh, boring. You know, this is, you're not a Newcastle fan, all these kind of things. I think we're going to have to get over that um, to an extent. I know people probably won't listen to me, but I think we're going to have to get over to that. So that was the only negative. The positive side, a lot of people talking. I think, look, it's very clear to me that an overwhelming majority of fans are um, in favour of this. Um, there's a few maybe who um, who are troubled by it to the extent where they don't want the deal to go ahead, but they're very much, I think, in the minority. Um, we're still sort of coming to terms with everything about this deal. You know, I think we're still probably not educated too much on on what the people who are actually trying to buy the club are, are doing it for because they haven't had the chance to explain their motives yet. And, See, that's a very big, yeah, very big part of it. I thought it was very worthwhile. Yeah, I, I, I like those kind of things. I like the fact that it was a grown-up debate. You know, the people who were involved in it, I thought were really good. You know, I thought they they had um, a really sensible debate. Uh, you know, and it, it did feel like, you know, although people were overwhelmingly in favour of it, they were willing to listen to other people, and and I think that's going to be the key moving forward. You know, at the end of the day, none of us can control who takes who takes Newcastle United on. It is, it is impossible. You know, no, no, the fact is that we weren't able to control um, what Mike Ashley um, was doing with the football club and we're not able to control um, who's going to buy the club. The only people who are able to do that are the Premier League. That's wrong, um, but it is where we are at the moment. So things like the Digital Town Hall are really good in terms of building you know, a consensus around what, um, what people want from Newcastle United. And I felt... Um, it's really important to kind of remember how important Newcastle United is. It's been eroded in the last few years, how important it is as a football club, because a lot of people feel that it's gone so far away from 
what they want it to be, that it was quite interesting on Monday to hear people talking about what they do want Newcastle United to be. And it was very different from what it is now. You mentioned there the kind of the negative aspects of this takeover report by some of the well-documented issues within Saudi Arabia. And then you mentioned also the La Liga president there and his comments yesterday. The reaction to us posting that on our blog, there was some negative reaction. Why, why have you done that? Fans are on edge. You know, why would you see the need to do that? But it's important, isn't it, to present the whole picture. That you have to present a rounded story of this table because otherwise, as journalists, we wouldn't be doing our jobs and we wouldn't be doing it. We wouldn't be doing you know the club or the fans justice. Yeah, and I think probably you know we have to work. I think the chronicle probably has to be when this happens. We you know I think we're kind of resisting it at the moment in terms of getting too deep into um, the Saudi PFI end uh, and, the, and you know, the, the, some of the geopolitics around it because it hasn't happened yet. Um, but I think we've got to be really clear about the motivations of the three different groups who are getting involved in Newcastle United. Um, the kind of people who are, who are asking for us now to be unquestioning about it and asking everybody to be unquestioning about it have to realise that you have to ask questions because we don't want another situation where a billionaire who apparently wants to come in and build a club up comes in and it doesn't work out because we really need to know from very early on what it is that the people who are buying the club want it for and what they intend to do because that's the only way that we're going to have a modicum of control over um, over the football club. We don't want to just wave it in and say, look, and, and you know, I think some of the coverage and some of the things that are being said around the football club at the moment are frankly unrealistic you know 90 million pound a year from, from Mauricio Pochettino was interesting you know obviously people saying it's really well sourced and these things are you know obviously I, I know people will be hearing it from from certain people but I, I just I think we're in such a vacuum at the moment that things like that get you know they get pumped up and and, and I just I worry a little bit about that because there is no way that this this takeover can possibly meet some of the really high expectations that some people are putting through of it. It could have bumps along the road. Um, we need to know the motivations of, of the people who are buying it, why they're doing it, um, what their intentions are for the football club. And I understand that people just want rid of Ashley, but it's not enough. You know, it's not, it's not enough to just say, we just want rid of Ashley. You have to question everything around it. You have to have those, um, you have to have those discussions as hard as people might find it because I think they just want positivity around this deal. They just want to hear it's done and they want to hear how great it's going to be. And I know there's some quotes, you know, some very eloquent quotes coming out of the groups and the buyers groups and they're all, you know, they're uh, fantastic to hear, but I've heard a lot of positivity and a lot of, you know, I mean, if you take in isolation, what Mike Ashley said, the Daily Mail in the summer it sounded great on paper, but nobody believed it because they knew what he was like. Well, we have to be, the same about this deal as well, and to an extent, in that it's very easy to say positive things and to be really and to be really upbeat, but you have to be judged on your actions. Now, I think this is a good thing. I think it's great that the club's going to get some investment, and I think it's really good that things are going to be built up. But you can't ignore questions that have to be asked as well. And I think that that would be my message. You know, um, I think people like the trust have got it got it spot on at the moment. They're saying how positive they think it is, but they they also want to hear from from the new owners that they're not, they're not sort of being negative. They're not being overly positive. They're just taking it as like, look, to our football club, 
you know, these people coming in, we don't owe them anything. They, they owe us, you know, it's our football club. We're, we're the custodians of it and okay, they're buying it, but they need to justify why they think they're good custodians as well. And I'm sure they will do that. I'm absolutely sure they will do that. But um, the kind of the desperation to get rid of Mike Ashley doesn't mean that you should just not listen to anything that's negative around this deal. So some exciting news about our podcast. We're now hosted on the Global Player app. Don't worry if you get your podcast from Apple, Spotify or Acast. You can still get them from that platform, but we do recommend that you download the Global Player app. It's available in iOS or from the The deal goes through and then you have still questions over when the season is going to restart or if the season will restart at all. That also could impact on the kind of the progress of the post uh, Ashley era at Newcastle United. Uh, Project Restart obviously is grabbing the, the national headlines as well. Lots of in my opinion, questionable ideas, games that won't last 45 minutes a half and things like that. Um, Mark, your, your your judgment on what you've heard this week about uh, Project Restart? Football's getting itself into an almighty mess, isn't it, at the moment? You know, you're hearing um, a lot of a lot of different ideas being floated about. And then, you know, I, I've not heard anybody officially from the Premier League or anybody in a position of power come out and explain the thinking or the rationale behind what's happening, it's, it's all being sort of briefed out. Um, we, we have a we have a big issue in this country, I think, sometimes in that, that it would be nice, you know, I think, I think for example, we, we talked a bit earlier about the Premier League owners and directors. Nobody from the Premier League has said anything. You know, nobody official on either side of this deal has said anything because they haven't felt they're able to. And, and that really frustrates me because the game is for the people. It's not for a bunch of suits and a bunch of lawyers pouring over um pouring over uh, over things it should be for the fans the football club newcastle united is is about the supporters it's not it's not about the, these kind of billionaires who are who are you know throwing the back and forward these these different things it, it's not it should be people should be being kept abreast of what's going on and it's exactly the same with project with project restart it's exactly the same why is nobody explaining what's happening? I mean, League One and League Two are apparently now going to be um, not going to be restarting. Now, nobody from the EFL has really been able to come out and say that. And they keep saying, well, we're, we're posting statements and updates all the time, but they're not, you know, they're, what they're posting is meaningless waffle statements. And I think that's what's frustrating around Project Restart. Um, nobody knows. It's, it's, it's sort of being briefed out. This may happen, that may happen. Look, Season has to finish at the Premier League level. It has to. You can't. Unfortunately, the amount of money that's being that's on on offer it means you can't stop the season. You have to play it to a conclusion. Um, Premier League, and 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 then I think you get into the next stage of. I understand that the teams at the bottom are saying the integrity of the league's been affected by what's happening, but it's just, it's, we don't live in a world where things are normal anymore. So, at the moment, so you can't expect it. To be, you can't expect it to be about. You know, clubs needing to have full full houses in order for the season to finish because it's just not going to happen. So they have to get on with it, really. And and I think the plan that's actually ironically being come up with the, the, the neutral venues, all those kind of things, I think it's probably the best of a bad scenario. You know, and now that we've got the capacity up a little bit, um, you know, the Premier League are talking about employing private a private company to do the testing. So it's not as if those tests are going to be taken off the NHS. I think. Look, 
they're going to have to crack on at some point. And I actually think the plans that they've come up with seem the best of a worst worst case scenario. And I think with the Bundesliga coming back next week, I'd like to see the Premier League come back now. I, I've always said, I always said at the start of it, you either scrap everything and just wait until things get back to normal to start the league or you do something like they're doing at the moment. Now, I think personally they should just forget about it all and, and probably wait until things get back to normal before they start playing football again. But people at the top of the game have decided that's not the way they're going to go. So if that's the case, then they have to go ahead with this. And I think the teams, the bottom six teams just need to suck it up, to be perfectly honest. They just need to get on with it and stop being dictated to by self-interest. Because the suggestion that getting rid of relegation is is an utterly bizarre one, isn't it? That can't happen, surely. No. And I think that's just self-interest, isn't it? It, it can't happen. And if it does happen, then, um, you know, I think a lot less people will be watching it. I think it's it's not, you know, the, the league's going to be won by Liverpool. Um, I think there was the fourth place was potentially up, up for grabs, but it looked like the top three were pretty well established when you look at it. Leicester had had a bit of a bad run, but they looked as if they were going to hang on to it. So it was really fourth place and the bottom three that you were looking at as the next the next sort of route up. And then the FA Cup as well with a, with a competitive end of the season. So for me, that 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 has to that has to happen. You know, you can't get rid of relegation. You've also got Leeds and West Brom knocking on the door. I would think that Leeds will probably end a game promoted. West Brom will be in a really good position as well. So you have to play that out to a conclusion. You cannot under any circumstances, in my opinion, get rid of relegation. You can't do it. It, it. it becomes a farce then. What's the point of the season? What was the point in all of those moments that we had during the season where we were worried about relegation, where Newcastle won games? You, you can't have that, you know? And um, and that and that's the top and bottom of it. It's like, I think as, as Newcastle United fans, we'll all be, you know, as Newcastle United sort of people, and we'll all be gutted if the takeover goes through and then you have no fans in the ground for a year because... The first game in the post Mike Ashley era will be the biggest celebration at St James's Park you 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 could wish to meet. I mean, I can't wait to go into the stadium and and gaze up at the the the, the roof of the stand and see no Sports Direct logos and to see war flags back and to see people actually getting behind the football club and and I can't wait for that. But you know, if it's a matter of life and death and some of the stuff that's coming out about people over the age of 70 and, you know, people of BAME, BAME um, backgrounds being under risk. We've just got to wait. We've just got to wait. So I think, you know, behind closed doors is not football, really. It's not the same. But if it is the only way you can do it, then, then it has to happen. Um, and, you know, I, I think that all of these arguments, going back to the Newcastle takeover thing, will be dominating a lot of what's going on in the Premier League. There'll be a lot less manpower to take those big decisions while these things are happening. So again, you know, that might be another reason why things are being delayed at Newcastle United because they don't want to wave through a takeover when they have two massive decisions that have to be legally watertight because if Project Restart starts and clubs decide that it's not fair, they open themselves up to legal and legal challenges. And it's a similar thing when it comes down to um, the Newcastle United takeover. If there's anything that's not thought of, anything that's able to be cha- challenged, then um, you know they'll find themselves in a bigger in a bigger hole than there than when they started. And neither of those things, I mean, the project restart is time sensitive. Newcastle United takeover isn't necessarily quite as time sensitive because the season transfer windows not open until potentially July. So you've got 
longer there to, for them to plan. And I know we all want it to, to be to be finished, but you know, if it's not next week, and I know there's been some briefing that it's going to be next week, but if it's not next week, it, it's the week after or the week after that or whenever, it doesn't have a massive material impact other than we don't get to open those cans quite as soon as we were hoping to. Indeed. And just finally, Mark, just to wrap off, you spoke to Daryl Murphy recently. What was he like? How, how did he uh, come across when you, you were talking to him about his time on Newcastle? Well, it was not, it was a really nice interview, actually, because um, he uh, he's one of those people, I think, I, I, sometimes you interview people and you know, I'm trying to, trying, to, trying to get another couple of uh, interviews in the bag of people who are just universally popular at Newcastle United. But, but Daryl Murphy's a surprising one, isn't he? Because when he came, when he got there, uh, the big transfer, he, he came in and it was, you know, not a, not a popular signing really, I would say. Although, as he said, with Rafa at the time, it was very much what, what Rafa does. We all kind of supported. Um, but I just think he was a good guy, you know, and a guy who worked really, really hard. And, you know, he said himself to me off the record, you know, Newcastle United's, signing players like me it seems strange he said ironically you know I, I don't think they should have ever been in the position where they needed to sign somebody like me and the fact that they did and I knew how important that was for me to make the most of the chance that I got when I was there he came out with some really good stuff but what, one thing I really did take away um, and you know I've just spoken in the podcast about not getting away not getting ahead of yourself I think I have to be honest if the takeover goes ahead I think Steve Bruce will get until the end of the season but I think after that probably He'll move on. Um, Newcastle will move. Will move in a different direction. And speaking to Daryl Murphy reminded me of how good Rafa Benitez was, and some of those conversations that I had with people around this time last year about why it was so important to keep Rafa. And I felt like, you know, look, I know Pochettino has been mentioned. I think he would be absolutely fantastic. And some of the other guys mentioned, you know, he'd be in dreamland. But I just would love. Rafa Benitez to get another crack at Newcastle United. I really would. I think that they were building something when he was there. Daryl Murphy talks about how brilliant the training sessions were. He said, you know, I know we've heard a bit about some players feeling like things are a bit freer under Steve Bruce. But I tell you what, when you speak to somebody like Daryl Murphy and he'll tell you how great the sessions were. And he says he used to go home with a notebook afterwards and, and write about the training sessions and you know, because I think he wants to get into coaching or he'll, he's interested in doing his coaching badges. And he said, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to go home and just write down what, what the session was because he said they were so good, short, sharp sessions that gave you a load of information. And he said he literally never left stone, you know, any, every stone was unturned, how to do, how to do the job, how to get things done at that level. And he just said he was brilliant. And I thought, I remember now it's sort of gone back. I think it's subsided some of the anger that I felt around the Rafa Benitez thing. It was as angry as I've been in anything under Mike Ashley, just how stupid it was that that relationship wasn't taken forward. And I know Mike Ashley came out and said it was Rafa's fault and Lee Charney was very clear on, felt that it was Rafa's fault. But I, I just felt that the relationship over two years was not where it needed to be. So by the end, I think, yes, probably Rafa did get to a point where he just didn't, he didn't want it to happen anymore. But, I was so angry when that decision came through that it wasn't gonna that it wasn't gonna be Rafa taking the team this year and and because he was first class, absolutely world class coach. He'd moved with the times. I think if you've got him back now with you know with a different budget, um, you know, I don't think he necessarily I don't think you would need Rafa to sign world class players. You would just need him to sign very good players who would play the way that he wanted to do. And I, I that really 
is a very exciting prospect for me. The idea of Rafa Benitez coming back with a bit of backing and somebody who had belief in him. I think it would be, uh, you know, a chance for him to finish off what he started. Um, and, uh, you know, we all think about it now. Look, yeah, it was struggle, especially last season. But we're coming up to about the anniversary. I think, in fact, it might have passed of where Newcastle played Liverpool, St. James's Park. And Liverpool, bear in mind, hadn't lo- didn't lose a game from about February until just very, very recently. Newcastle ran them as close as anybody did in that Premier League, uh, that Premier League run-in. They were brilliant. And that was not a Newcastle team packed with star names. You know, if they maybe had three or four or five players who would just could take them up that next level, they'd have been a top six, top eight contender at, you know, very close to that. And I think that Rafa, you know, with a bit of money and with a bit of backing, could take Newcastle um to the next level um, under new owners um, and he would handle things well you know you, we all know what he's like he's political but I think he would handle things well I think that he was ex- he'd be exactly what they needed and, and and it did sort of get me thinking again about how you know how great he was because Daryl Murphy was, was so positive about him. and and for me you know Pochettino would be brilliant as well and, and, and I wouldn't wouldn't have a problem with that but um, but it'd be great to see Benitez back he would be brilliant and just to see him coming in and not have to not have to think that his main thing would be the owners and how he was going to manage that relationship, you know, because it just dominated things towards the end. Um, and that season under Murphy, it wasn't the dominant thing at first. It was all about how positive things were around Rafa. And I would love to see that. Absolutely love to see it. A second opportunity for a book as well. Uh, well, yeah, potentially. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think um, I think the 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 main thing about Rafa that I enjoyed writing about was just that idea that everything was just, everything was planned. You didn't need to worry about, you didn't need to, you know, the book kind of came together because Rafa came together. It was, you know, he, 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 you knew what he was trying to do when you, when you went back and looked through the season and, and it was such good fun to write. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think I'd just, I'd just be really happy to see, to see the, the club back and, and, you know, I think just it going in the right direction again. Thank you, and the majority, if not all, inside. Well, this has been the Everything's Black and White podcast. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast and head over to Chronicle Live to keep up with all the latest Newcastle United news. Thank you very much for listening.